A few years ago, I was at a seminar and Mark Sandburn was speaking and I wrote down a couple of the things I thought he shared that were most meaningful. He's a businessman and ultimately he said his way of doing business was changed when he met a postman by the name of Fred and he would later write a book called The Fred Factor. And what he said about Fred is he was somebody who loved his job and he loved people and as Mark watched this person be so kind to people that he came into contact, he changed the way that he did business because he said, I realized more than producing a quality product, it was important to build relationships. And here's two of the things that I wrote down that Mark Sandburn shared that he learned watching Fred, a postman, in this arena where all these millionaire businessmen aggressively trying to reach the top. And Mark Sandburn shared number one, Everyone makes a difference. Everyone makes a difference. The question he asked and each of us has to ask is, do you add or take away from people's lives? Do you add or take away from people's lives? In their joy and their happiness and just being in the room, do you take away from people? Or do you bring something to add to their lives with being positive, sharing grace, sharing love? Or are you somebody that has a problem with patience and tears people down? So everyone makes a difference. This postman, again, working in an arena where all these businesses were competing, all these multi-million Millionaires, and he made the most impact on Mark Sandburn as far as how to be somebody that was influencing others. Second thing I wrote down that he shared, you can add value to anything without it costing a nickel. You can show others they matter by being kind. In business, they talk about you know, how much money something is going to cost. And the reality is you and I can leave here today and make a difference in somebody else's life and it won't cost any money. It just costs being somebody who notices others or cares. It might be sending a kind letter to somebody, making a phone call, maybe apologizing to somebody, but you can change somebody's life today and financially it won't cost anything. This is the book of Job, the oldest book that we have in the world, and it's the oldest book in Scripture. Now, Genesis is, of course, the first book you'll find in Scripture when you open the Bible, but Job is actually the oldest book, oldest book we have in history, a written copy of. And in the book of Job, Job has a lot of hardships that he has faced, and he has friends who come and try to be philosophical about all his problems. He suffered illness, loss of loved ones, loss of finances. And his friends show up and say, you know, maybe you did something to deserve this. And so Job says, I haven't done anything to deserve this. And they say, maybe you have some secret sin. And this is punishment. And Job says, I don't have a secret sin. I don't know why these bad things happened in my life. And in Job 28, verse 2 to 3, he says something so powerful and profound. What he said, the oldest book we have in history, applies just as much today as any time. Here's his words. Iron is taken out of the earth. Brass is molten out of stone. God sets an end to the darkness and searches out all perfection, the stones of darkness, the shadow of death. 
Now, it may sound mysterious what he said, but you'll see it's actually very clear the meaning of what Job is saying. We'll come back to that here in just a moment. First, though, a fascinating study, this one by Steve Shepard, about the impact parents have in the lives of their kids, and specifically here when it comes to living their faith and being a part of vibrant worship, and once they become a young adult, do they attend church? Here's what happens in these studies. Here's the first one. If both parents regularly attend worship, 72% of the children remain faithful. Notice this next one, which is maybe more profound. If the father alone attends worship. Now, we live in a culture where people are you know, tearing down fatherhood and making it sound like it's not that important. Here's something that shows you the incredible impact a father has on his family. If a father alone attends worship, 55% of the time the children remain faithful. If it's the mother alone, that number drops to 15%. Men, you have a tremendous chance to make a difference like nobody else. Now, mothers and fathers together make the biggest difference, and mothers are hugely influential. But when it comes to the studies about church attendance, when the father drops out 85% of the time, children end up leaving too once they become a young adult. Now, if neither a parent is faithful in worship, 6% of children remain faithful when they become a young adult. So with that, Notice what Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 10. Once we stop and say, okay, how do I then live? We might start with looking at the Fred factor. You can change somebody's life today. It won't cost you a thing financially. And everybody makes a difference. And each of us have influence. And you might say, what could I do then to live differently? And Paul in Romans 12 says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Love, let it be something sincere from the heart. And hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now we live in a culture where people often wink at evil. And what many people in scripture know to be good, the culture says that's old-fashioned. Silly things like that. But what does Paul say? We live in a different standard. Love, be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Here's an example of things being upside down that caused quite a scandal a few years ago in a culture that struggles and where some might call evil good. And what we call good, they might stand and say, that's old-fashioned again. But we want to be in the way, the truth, and the life that is Christ. So this is the worst cheating scandal in the history of the University of San Diego. You'll see why this made worldwide news in just a moment. Now, 25 students at the time were caught cheating on a test. And that test was 2% of their semester grade. But all were failed completely from the class. And some people thought that was too harsh. And they said maybe they should just get a zero for that test they cheated on. The professor said, no, this is a profound issue. And they failed the entire grade. Now, why is that? Well, these students were cheating in a particular class. What was that class? That class was ethics. 
As General Norman Schwarzkopf said, the truth of the matter is you always know the right thing to do. The hard part is doing it. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Paul continues in verse 10, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. How devoted are we one to another and to those in our lives? Do we honor other people above ourselves? Or do we simply say, you know what? It's all about me and do what thou will, no matter what I have to do to get the things that I want. This here is Dolly Madison, the fourth first lady in U.S. history, one of the most popular first ladies. Wherever she would go, crowds would come out to see her. People responded to her very positively. And a journalist asked her specifically, he said, you have a lot of power over people's lives. He said, what is the secret to your power? She responded with a question, power over people? She went on to say, I have none. I desire none. I merely love everyone. Each of us can make a difference. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another and put other people first. Wonderful poem here. Authorship is debated But in the poem, notice the difference this writer says somebody else made in their life. And then think about somebody that you can give this gift to, recognizing the chance to influence somebody like this. Notice what this person writes. I love you not only for what you are, but for what I am when I am with you. I love you not only for what you have made of yourself, but for what you are making of me. I love you for the part of me that you bring out and notice. I love you because you are helping me to make of the lumber of my life not a tavern, but a temple. Not a reproach, but a song. Do we put others first Treat them with dignity. Love one another. Where somebody can say that our life impacted theirs so much that their life became not a tavern but a temple, not a reproach, but a song. A few years ago, there was the famous incident where the football player Tom Brady's jersey was stolen after the big game. This became worldwide news for a specific reason. One of the reasons is because once the jersey was gone, the longer they couldn't find it, the more valuable it was becoming. Now, the jersey cost $100. By the time it was found, people were saying it was worth more than a Picasso. And ultimately, they put a price on it that it was worth a half a million dollars. Now, a $100 jersey 
they said was worth a half a million dollars because Tom Brady wore it for the big game. And because nobody could find it, that value, they said, kept going up. And it was a time then the FBI got involved as they started to review footage and they realized this was, in a sense, an international incident because what they then knew was a journalist from Mexico had stolen it and then taken it back to Mexico. Now, he eventually got the jersey back, but again, a $100 jersey valued at a half a million dollars. But what is the most valuable thing truly in life? Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4, the prophet says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. What is it that people really want in life is perfect peace. Perfect peace that only comes from standing on the rock that is Christ. Nothing else has the value of that. Nothing else compares to perfect peace. When the storms of life hit, when we're in the valley, when we're on the mountaintop, when there's pressure, when things are easy, when they're hard, nothing matters more than perfect peace. It's what people do so many things to get that are so temporary spending their lives pursuing things that are pleasurable in the moment, hoping that will last. But the only thing that lasts is perfect peace, again, founded on the rock. And Isaiah says you'll find perfect peace when you keep your mind on Christ. And we just have to simply say, during this past week, if I were honest, how often was my mind on Christ? How often was it on meaningless things? And then to say, okay, this week God... Help me then keep my mind on Christ. Help me because perfect peace happens when I trust in you. I love this quote here by Murray Baxter. She said, Satan wants to fill you with frustration and anger over the circumstances in your life. He wants to steal that perfect peace, but for a reason. Once you lose that perfect peace, once I learn that perfect peace, the tempter is there to try to destroy that. Steal, kill, destroy, that's all he knows. As Murray Baxter says, he tries to bring that frustration and anger for two reasons. One, so you not only neglect to pray for yourself, but two, you also refuse to pray for anyone else. That's why, again, think about the Fred factor. It doesn't cost a thing to change somebody's life. And everybody can make a difference. We live with a different standard. What Paul said, hate what is evil, love what is good, put others first and honor them above thyself. This is Chick-fil-A. I was listening to one of their representatives. He shared a great quote. We all know the company. In fact, it's hard to even get into the restaurant on certain times of the day. Cars are lined up down the street waiting to get in. And of course, Chick-fil-A has chosen to close on Sundays because they are owned by believers and they want people to attend worship. And they stand up for this term that's used in our culture, traditional values. And some have criticized them for that. I love what they had to say. If we can't do in six days what others do in seven days, our company shouldn't exist. Different standard. Based on, if I trust in Him, 
live my life focused on Christ, my mind stayed on Him, life is a whole lot different. Culture would say the opposite to that decision to be closed on Sunday, but they drew a line in the sand and said, priorities determine that we will know we can do in six days what other companies do in seven. And they've been profoundly successful. Russell Brunson shares, as much as we hate to admit it, we are all slaves to what we believe other people will think of us. When we move beyond that type of fear and say, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. So what did Job mean? Iron is taken out of the earth. Well, iron is a precious metal. And as Job says, where is it found? Underground. Where are the metaphors in Scripture pointing to? That underground means to be at the end of your rope, in the darkness. But there's something precious that forms there in faith. And that's where the iron is then forged. Then he says, brass is molten out of the stone. Brass, the heat, the flames, the challenges of life produce then something valuable in brass. And then he says, he sets an end to darkness and searches out perfection, stones of darkness, the shadow of death. Where is perfection found? What does Job say? There in the darkness, where God pours in his light. Each of us has those times, and some may be going through that now, where you say, you know what, I feel under the earth, like I'm carrying everything on my shoulder. And Job says, Iron is forged there. Going through the fiery trials of life, he says that's where the brass is made. And when you're at the end, we're nowhere else to go but up. And there's that darkness. That's where he'll produce then that perfect peace. We close with a story where some men literally went through these things that Job himself was writing about as a metaphor. This is the Chilean miners. In 2010, 33 miners were trapped 2,300 feet below ground when a gold mine collapsed. The men would be there for 69 days, low on food, and low on water. Engineers were able to then build this capsule, but fear of a collapse meant it was restricted in size to 21 inches in diameter. That meant that the men with low food, low water supplies also had to lose weight to fit into this capsule. And for 69 days, they were down in the dark. 
And when they were rescued and the world watched, they were given these sunglasses that you see here in the picture because their eyes were damaged being in the darkness and they wouldn't have been able to see well in the sunlight. So they wore these sunglasses. I love what Wayne Lawson says about that part of their experience. As he shares, when you go through the dark, it changes your vision. It changes how you see things in life. It changes how you see other people. But let me close with a few quotes by the miners. Once they were set free from this mine in which they were trapped. Remember, iron is taken out of the earth. Brass, molten out of the stone. And God sets an end to darkness where he searches out all perfection. When the miners were released, here are some of the quotes they gave. First one, 33 miners, and this man said, there are actually 34 of us. God has never let, left us down here. Second one, it ended everything as a blessing of God. Third one, we have lived a magical night, a night we will remember throughout our lives, a night in which life defeated death. This one here, I believe, is the most profound. I met God. I met the devil. God won. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Each of us can make a profound difference in somebody else's life as we stay standing on the solid rock that is Christ.